You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Man, I started my morning early today, Ed. Like, I was in a bar at 7 a.m. drinking. That's what I was doing. 7 a.m., you were, you were in the bar already. Wall-to-wall human beings watching Team USA women's hockey because I'm in Evergreen Park here, and Evergreen Park's own Abby Murphy, 19 years old, first-time Olympian, first game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Massive watch party. I, I got invited over there. Her dad was, like, standing next to me, and he wouldn't look at the screen. Because he was just like, I, I can't digest this as it's happening. I have to go home and watch it later. And that and the fact that the entire place, when we were we were in this bar that was open at 7 a.m. And there's just beers and pizza and, every, I mean, the food. I mean, it was like, I don't think that place pulls in that many people on a Saturday night in the summer. The entire parking lot was filled with cars. Like, they canceled school because the kids can't make it to school. But everybody made it out at 7 o'clock in the morning to start pounding Miller lights and Bud lights and whatever else they could get behind the bar and and watch a, a hockey game. It was insane. That's how my day started. So I'm already on a roll. Look, you got to have your priorities, right? I mean, <laughs> we don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. What we do need is, is beer at 7 a.m. and watching women's hockey. So that... That's what Roger Waters was singing about back then. He, he really wasn't singing about anything else. It was it was just the desire to get get a little drunk and, and watch some women's hockey instead of going to school in the morning. And the best part, and it's so south side, is that there were so many kids from the schools that were closed in there as well. <laughs> it's like, hey kids, well, sure. we're going to the bar, wake up! Like, <laughs> so it's going to be a long February in Evergreen Park, I believe. Because I think they're doing that every oh, day. <laughs> no, no, my friend. Time flies when you're having fun. This is this is a good thing for you. You'll you'll actually have, you'll actually your mind will not be on other things. Let's just say that. So anyway, I like that's how I started my day today. So I'm ready to roll. Uh, the White Sox seem ready to roll with their promotional schedule. Before I get to that, let me tell you real quick about our sponsor, Family Waterproofing Solutions. You should already know about them. You heard the commercial at the beginning of the episode. They're having a big. Installer Job Fair, Saturday, February 26th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. right here in the EP, otherwise known as Evergreen Park. Find out what they do, why they do it, and the services they provide. They cover all of northern Illinois, northwest Indiana, and they got excellent benefit packages. It's an award-winning family business that is growing very fast. Do not sign up. Just bring your driver's license to Family Waterproofing Solutions on Saturday, February 26th. Learn more at FamilyDry.com. The promotional schedule for the White Sox is out. SoxOn35th.com has a big article on it. Our good pal Jordan Lazowski broke it all down. And my initial reaction to everything is, I don't see dollar hot dogs on Wednesdays back. The White Sox seem to have used no. the... Yeah, they've used the pandemic to slowly just get rid of that promotion. They must have been taking a bath on it. Because they are not bringing it back. Like, I don't see it. Maybe they'll announce it later. But that that doesn't look like it's coming back, like, ever. It might depend on on how the CBA negotiations go. If there's a hot dog aspect to this that we haven't heard about. But uh, if they're waiting to see how big that player, you know, that pre-arb pool of uh, bonus money is going to be. And that's what's going to determine whether or not Jerry Reinsdorf can afford dollar hot dogs. 
that's fine. That's fine. We'll just have to wait and see. Right. That might be the case. That might be it. There's a lot of bobbleheads, but they can't name any of the players because they've locked the players out. So they're all to be announced. The big right. giveaway looks like that South Side uniform. You know, they're doing it as a hockey jersey with the black and yeah. that South. I mean, like the first 20,000 fans on April 30th will get one and the rest of them will stand there angrily and scream because that is going to be. I mean, get to the ballpark two hours early to get that hockey jersey. I think that's going to be the number one you thing that You might have to camp out wants. the night before. Yeah, yeah. You're going, to have, you're going to have to go buy a tent in anticipation of the camping. Now, I believe that day will happen. So that's on April the 30th versus the Angels. They're going to get that game. You know, that, that's going to be a game when people are going, to, are going to see the White Sox play, I believe, in action. I'm not so sure about March 31st. That's when they're supposed to raise the banner. Uh, the crew neck they're giving away on April the 2nd versus the Twins, pff, probably not going to happen. Maybe probably not happen. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I, I, do, I do commend them for this, though. They announced all their special nights, and you can get the complete list of everything at SoxOn35th.com. But they've got their rock and roll night, country music, Elvis night, Hispanic heritage night, and police and fire night. Unlike the Yankees, they are not currently promoting a union night during a lockout of a union. So at least we're not that dumb. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you which union the Yankees are not celebrating that night. The MLBPA? Yeah, that one. That one comes to mind. Yeah. You know, let's get into that today. Scott Greger is going to be on from uh, the Daily Herald. I'm looking forward to talking to him, not only about his take on the CBA negotiations, but also has anything changed over the last couple of months with the White Sox and their goals the moment that everything opens back up again? You know, free agent goals, trade goals, season goals. Has anything changed? Seems like the big things, Ed, and correct me if I'm wrong, that are on the table right now that these guys are all arguing about is revenue sharing, player arbitration, service time, and the luxury tax. I would say those are probably the right. big four things that these these two sides are talking about. Now, service time and, and arbitration, they may be getting pretty close to the end on. Well, I, I think if you want to break it down to the brass tacks of what each side wants, you have the the players would like more money sooner and they would like to hit free agency sooner while the owners just want more control at less expense of players early on in their career. And, and that's the goal, the broad goal. But the arbitration stuff and the and the service time manipulation, the, the problem the players have had is is the Chris Bryant issue, right? It's the holding a guy down intentionally when there's really no reason to. You have no gain. There's nothing for him to do in AAA. There's nothing but pretext of got to work on something, in air quotes, to keep the guy down. And then all they're doing is they're just buying a, another year at the end of it. I think the players and the, the owners are on the same page about this because I think the owners understand this one more than they understand what the players are worried about with things like the luxury tax. And looking at reports right now, it looks like draft pick compensation, essentially. Like, you know, if you don't keep a guy down, uh, you can end up with a draft pick. Uh, there's a few things that are on the table. They all seem really reasonable. But then when you get around to the arbitration years, like they're not going to give up arbitration years, but the players want to make more money. So then the idea becomes bonuses for how they perform. You know, if they if they place high up in war or in awards that are given out at the end of the year, then there's a bonus pool in which guys are going to make more money because they couldn't earn more by getting the free agency earlier. The problem I think that they have right now is trying to decide how to and how many players to qualify for this. Because what I'm seeing is there's been talk about that bonus pool, the pre-arb guys getting into the bonus pool, 
And whatever methodology they use to determine who's involved in that, you know, they've I, I've seen articles where they note like Corbin Burns and Vlad Guerrero Jr. would have made way more money. Uh, Austin Riley of the Braves would have made way more money last year under the system. So the players want to expand that to a bigger pool, and they want the pool of money to be somewhere around $100 million to spread across all these players that are in the in the pre-arb years, whereas the owners are offering, what, $10 million? They're basically saying $10 million, so they want to limit it to a handful of players and limit this 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 pot. So that seems to be more of a bigger issue than the who and how they're going to do this and make the determination is how much money they're going to be willing to give out. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, is I, I think the, the manipulation of service time, and I think service time in general, I don't think they're going to get it right in this. Ed, when this mess is over, we're going to be at Cork and Carry at the park. In fact, I can guarantee you at some point in opening weekend, we are going to have a big shebang out there at 33rd and Princeton to welcome baseball back, the AL Central champs back, as we prepare for what is hopefully a magical season in which we'll look back and be like, remember the mess in the spring? It won't even matter at that point. That's what I'm hoping for. There's two locations for Cork and Carry. Do not forget about the one that is in the shadow of the ballpark with the award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites. I can't wait to get out there. You can get out there now. In fact, on Mondays and anytime there's not a Sox home game, two for one on those burgers, an extensive bar with rotations of craft beers, familiar favorites, spirits, and wines. They are your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame, and viewing parties. And then, of course, Sacks in the Basement is going to be out at Cork and Carry Beverly on Parade Day, March 13th, the return after a two-year hiatus of the Southside Irish Parade. You can come out and join us then, or just get out there now. 10614 Southwestern Avenue, a traditional Irish bar in the Beverly neighborhood. Once this snow is gone, I cannot wait to enjoy the outdoor patio and bar. I love that as much as I love the indoor bar. Multiple event rooms for your next party. In fact, you can book your next event at either location at CorkandCarry.com. This offseason, one of the voices that I haven't heard from, and I was like, what the heck? I haven't talked to Scott Gregor in a while from the Daily Herald. And in the middle of a lockout here, Scott, I I don't know when this thing is going to end. I, I'm, I'm starting to become d- disheartened, a little, uh, a little negative. I don't want to get that way. I'm hoping that you'll cheer me up. How are you? <laughs> good, Chris. How are you doing? Uh, always good to talk to you. And uh, sorry, but right now I'm I'm not really the guy that that can cheer you up. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wish I, I you know I wish I could jump in on the negotiations and just like tell both sides that you know this this game's like had some creaks the last couple of years. You know, the long games, the COVID shutdown, and everything, and it's just like really not a great time right now to be you know bickering about money. And you know, both sides you know I, I think are guilty. And hopefully, you know, it's we're into February now with Spring training is supposed to start in less than two weeks, which you know I don't think is going to happen. But the only thing really you can do is just hope that they understand the situation. Uh, they understand that you know they're like young young major league baseball fans are are very short, you know, in numbers, and they get a deal done here pretty soon. You know, you would be probably getting ready right now. This is kind of getting in the way of what your normal spring plans are, and uh, and and how you would be covering the team and you know, trip down to a warmer climate. Uh, this is, this is kind of putting a crimp into your plans too, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not happy that, you know, my body's like, is like, has been like 
train to like shut down on uh, shoveling snow about this time, but it looks like I'm going to keep that shovel out. And uh, yeah, this is a time not only for me, but you know, but I mean, players, staff, uh, managers, coaches, everybody. I mean, by now they would have their places. I mean, it's a long haul in Arizona for spring training. You've got to get those places reserved. Um, that's why even if they would get a deal, like say next week, th- there's going to be a delay at the start of spring training. Just, you know, just all the stuff you've got to do, you know, as players, you know, they, it, major league teams, minor, they got to get their minor leaguers down there. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a really heavy process. And, uh, yeah, so everybody's kind of, I'm sure is kind of scrambling right now. So how do you think, you know, I mean, you're watching this and, and everybody's got an opinion on it, but how do you think that it finally starts to legitimately move here, the process? Is it that the, we, we get to the point where now spring training is pushed back or canceled or they, they, they have to officially say that the start of the season isn't going to be on time before all of a sudden both sides start to move a little quicker? Because I, I think everybody looks at it and says the pace here is way too slow for what's on the line. And, and I've said all along, I feel like what the owner's plan was was to slow play this because there is a certain amount uh, of members in the union that are guys that are just either they've already made their money or they're more interested in getting out on the field or they have long-term deals like, you know, you sign something like how Luis Robert took away all of his arbitration years and even into the in, in the free agency where they're like, you know, w- some of these things don't matter that much to me. I just want to get on the field. Like, where do you think the tipping point is where a certain amount of union members and, and owners actually start, like, putting their nose at a grindstone and getting this thing done? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Chris. You know, I think, you know, so the lockout started, what, December 2nd. So I think everybody knew that December, nothing was really going to happen and nothing did happen negotiation-wise. So then, okay, you get into January. You saw, you know, they, they did talk a little bit, not very productive. But I think really that, like, when the calendar hit February, you know, this week, that that's like, okay, it's February. Now it's go time. You know, this is when spring training starts. They're starting the season, like, like supposedly, you know, the season, another early start to the regular season, late March. So, you know, it's it just, it, it comes down to the point where, and I, and I, my first year covering the White Sox was 1994. So I saw that, that, yeah, that was a nasty strike. I think it ran about seven months, caught the, uh, you know, caught the White Sox to shot the 94 world series. Uh, they didn't come back until March of the, you know, 95. So they really, what they did, they had a condensed spring training and, you know, they tried to, that the, the 95 season was, was not really good. I and mean, you could just tell that, you know, the players were out of shape, a lot of them from the seven month layoff. So um, the, to kind of use that as a, as a guide for this year, you know what, if you, if the, if they can get in on March 1st, they, they start spring training March 1st. That gives you not even four weeks to get ready for the season. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's going to work either. It's just like, there's just so many things up in the air, but I just really think to kind of get back to your original question, you know, that once it, once that calendar hit February, there should be really on both sides, there should be urgency. And I agree with you that I'm sure there's much less urgency on the owner's side. Let's talk about the Sox, you know, the team you cover and you've been covering for a long time. Uh, what are we going to expect when it does open back up again? Is it going to be like some sort of crazy 
seven to ten day period where everybody in the world gets signed and you see trades and it's just, it's just like something insane for a couple of days there will there be guys that don't even get signed until right before the season starts because there is no reason for things to move up or like how do you think things are going to go because I know Sox fans are pretty much expecting th- this team to go out and still get another pitcher maybe for the rotation to go out and get a second baseman I don't think a lot of people are happy with the idea of Larry Garcia being the starting second baseman this year there's questions in right field there's free agents that are out there what do you think is going to happen and how quick does it happen once the lockout ends? That's, yeah, that's another great question because, you know, if you remember like the, the final couple, you know, the last couple of weeks in November, everybody knew the lockout was coming and th- there was just a flurry of stuff going on, you know, throughout Major League Baseball, including the White Sox. You know, you mentioned Larry Garcia, they brought him back and they, they basically replaced Craig Kimbrough in the bullpen with uh, Kendall Graveman, who, who should be much better in that eighth inning role you know, setting up uh, Liam Hendricks. But yeah, when they, when this, when this thing does, uh, Chris, when it does get resolved, it's going to be, I think it's going to be the same kind of like frenzy that you saw at the end of November. You know, you mentioned starting pitching. I think the White Sox, I think, you know, they, I I just think a a bigger priority than starting, you know, starting pitcher is, you know, either second base or right field. I don't know if they have money. Like say they go get a Nick Castellanos would be great for them in right field. You know, if they if they spend the money on him, I don't know. Maybe they don't spend it at second base, where they have like Garcia, Romy Gonzalez, Danny Mendick. Maybe they might want to cut back there. It might be one or the other on the second base, right field side. And you know, you know, they've got you know Michael Kopech kind of replacing Carlos Rodon. So I think they're okay there. Maybe Ronaldo Lopez is an option if Dallas Keuchel you know stumbles again. It's going to be interesting, too, because the longer this thing goes, does that mean they have less money to spend? Does that mean every major league team has less money to spend? Uh, there's a lot of unknowns as we're you know moving forward with this. But, uh, you know, once it is, if it's solved, if this thing is settled relatively soon, then I, I think you're going to see that flurry of uh, signings and trades. I find it interesting, though, when you started that answer that right away you were like, Graveman replaces Kimbrel. Kimbrel's still on the team, so I think you're still of the mindset that a lot of us were right when this lockout began, that, like, Craig Kimbrel's as good as traded. 100% he's going to be traded. Uh, you know, that's, well, I think that 100% they want to trade him. Well, I think he's got a $16 million contract for, you know, the 2022 season, which isn't, you know, given his track record, that's not an exorbitant sum for a guy like Craig Kimbrel. Who, who, he just needs to change the scenery. I mean, look how good he was for the Cubs, you know, the first four months of last year before he got traded to the Sox as a closer. So he has value. There are teams like the Phillies, Dodgers, um, several others probably that that need a proven closer like Kimbrell. And um, so, you know, I think he, Craig probably would have been traded in November, but, you know, Rick Hahn kind of mentioned it, that teams were so busy just, you know, signing free agents before the lockout, that trades kind of got pushed to the back burner. But, um, you know, when, when the game's back up and running, I think you'll see Kimbrough go pretty soon. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. And, and as we close up here with you, and I appreciate you jumping on the show, how hard is it to avoid overanalyzing when nothing's going on? Because I know how everybody thought when the lockout began. They're going to make a deal where they're going to trade Kimbrell to probably go out and get that second baseman or, you know, a, a right fielder. And then they're going to go in the free agency for the other position. And they maybe try to add a pitcher at a low cost of just a couple of million dollars just to add another arm into the rotation. And everybody was pretty much saying the same thing. And then you get this long lockout and people just start overanalyzing. 
Well, maybe they're going to keep Kimbrel. Well, maybe they're going to do, I mean, you know, it, how hard is it for you to almost turn the brain off a little bit and say what they were thinking in November is probably what they're thinking now? Um, yeah, you know, I, th- th- you can definitely overanalyze it. I just kind of go back to, you know, we talked to Rick Hahn right before the lockout and, you know, just taking him at his word. He was basically like, you know, when we're back up and running, um, we're, we're, we're picking up right where we left off. So, you know, those are the three spots, really. Second base, right field, starting rotation. Um, you know, maybe another piece here or there. You know, some, you know, some, de- you know, some death moves. But um, yeah, you, you know, it's like I, I, I think unless this thing really drags, like the lockout would drag into the summer, and teams would just, I mean, you can abandon everything. You just play with what you've got. You know, possibly. But um, as it stands right now, with the Sox specifically, I think um, they're, you know, they're ready to move on. You know, the holes they need to fill. Awesome. Scott Greger, he writes for the Daily Herald. Make sure you check him out. He's been doing this for a long time. He knows what he's talking about. Scott, I appreciate you jumping on Socks in the Basement. Great talking to you, Chris. You have until the end of February. Do not forget to get in your entry for the $1,000 guest bounty right here on Socks in the Basement. Any kind of guest, baseball-related or otherwise, that you think could end up winning best guest of the offseason and would get you $1,000 in cold hard cash from Elite Benefits of America, you should get that into us through SocksInTheBasement.com or reach out through one of our social media sites. Butch Zemar at Elite Benefits of America wants to lower the cost of insurance, not only for small and mid-sized companies, but for the employees as well. Open enrollment may be over, but the process is year-round. Impress the boss if you're an HR person, or impress yourself if you're the boss, and reach out to Butch today. Learn more at EliteBenefits.net or call Butch today at 708-535-3006. So I find that really interesting, Ed. Uh, Right at the end there with Scott, the idea that we may all just be so bored over the last two months that we keep coming up with reasons why they would keep Craig Kimbrell or reasons why Leary Garcia is going to be the second baseman or reasons why they may go with what they have in right field. And Gregor is basically like, yeah, yeah, nothing's different. Like once this thing restarts again, Rick Hahn has a plan and nothing's going to change. Unless of course they start the season in July. I mean, it gives perspective there to talk to Scott Gregor of the Daily Herald. A hundred percent. And yes, we are bored. And and this is, (laughs) this is the equivalent of, when you go on WebMD in the middle of the night because something doesn't feel right, like in your arm or something like that, and it starts from, it starts from, I probably pulled a muscle, you know, shoveling snow, to, I have deadly bone cancer and they're going to have to amputate in the morning. Like, I need to call off of work and tell them they're taking my left arm. Right. Brazilian blood spiders. That could be it as well. You never know what you're going to oh, find. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brazilian blood yeah. spiders. Uh, here, let, let's take a look at some of the things and where they're at here in the CBA. And, and, and these things, as somebody who used to sit at a table and negotiate with, you know, a massive group, which was the Cook County government. And trust me, there's nothing worse run than the Cook County government. Take it from a guy who had to negotiate contracts with them. They're an absolute mess. The people at the table in the negotiating room have no power whatsoever to make any decisions at all. And we'll say yes to something and then come back and say, actually, it's a no. Or say no to something and then come back and be like, ah, we brought that up. And they were like, ah, it's a good idea. Like, the negotiations are brutal. 
there's a web of people you have to get through. If you think Major League Baseball is a mess right now, they're a well-oiled machine, these negotiations. Honestly, that's how I see this. Because oh, yeah. you can walk in on any given day right now and see these two things that are, are big sticking points. One is the union looking for a minimum salary of 775 k and MLB offering 615000 and also the luxury tax, which is essentially like a loose way of having a salary cap where the MLBPA wants it all the way up to $245 million and MLB's at 214 You can walk in on any given day, and I've seen this in negotiations. I, I've been sitting in negotiations that we would go every two weeks, and we'd sit down, and there'd be yelling, and there'd be threats. There was an attorney for the county one time who got up and just stormed out of the room and said, we'll never talk to you again, which he had to come back and talk to us again because of the rules, because of the kind of organization. We were 911 dispatchers. We can't strike. They can't walk away. There's all these like federal laws. We just kind of laughed when he walked out of the room. It was like it was for it was grandstanding. Right. I, I mean, I had an attorney on our side on the union who like made these things. We're going to strike. And I'm looking at him like, but we can't do that. Like, like, all these things would get yelled back and forth at tables. So when I see contentious, that doesn't bother me. So you're saying if, if if we leave the lawyers out of this, it'll be fine. Yeah, the lawyers are the worst, okay? If we take all of that stuff out, all you need is one day when everybody's motivated. And and like we, we talked with Scott Greger uh, just moments ago on this show, that at some point there's going to be that motivation. It just takes one day and one side to say, okay, look, this is silly. Do we want to do this forever? Can we just have a, let's have a conversation off the record. Let's go into the hallway for a second. We would do that because like if it's outside of the room or if we say, hey, off the record, then later on, nobody can sue somebody else for doing something improper during negotiations. So hey, off the record, just, just a conversation. You know, sometimes, sometimes one head of the union goes out with somebody from management for like lunch at a, at a restaurant and they pay to check separately, and they sit at separate tables at first when they really know they're going to move over next to each other and have a conversation. That happened to me once. And then it was like, hey, if you guys offer this, we'll offer this. We can be done. What do you think? Yeah, I'll do that. And and that's where they'll come in the middle. Like, it, it, they won't exactly split the difference between 775 and 615, but at some point, somebody on one side is going to be like, hey, if we moved into the middle on this, would you move into the middle on this, or would you come in at 30% higher for this if we came in at, like, you know, 40% over here or something like that. Yeah, I think we can do that. All right, you propose it. Make it look like your idea. And then I'll propose this other thing when we get back in the room. Okay, cool. That happens. These things are not all cut and dry. I guarantee you they were talking in December, just not officially. I guarantee you there's back channel things that are happening in these negotiations. I I also do guarantee you that they are going to not have a full spring training. And at some point, everybody's got to feel just nervous enough that that conversation happens. I think it's coming. I also think they're going to cheat us out of some games this year, unfortunately. 100%. I, I mean, look, you're right. The, the idea that this is actually staged like people think it is, where the only time there's conversation is sitting at the table. Lock them in a room. That's not how it works. Doesn't no, work that no, way. No, that, that doesn't work. Really, the, the most productive stuff comes when you have one or two people who are representative of both sides sitting there saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I think I'm the cooler head here. But I have this idea. What do you think? If you can sell your guys on this, I can sell my guys on this, like you like you described. And that's what's going to happen. It is, and that's what's been happening, but just not publicly, which is okay. They don't need to be public with every single thing. I, as fans, we're hungry, we're bored, we're tired, we're slightly gassy, but we're not entitled necessarily to know every single detail of what's going on. 
But yeah, they are going to lose some spring training games because once this thing gets settled, once they reach that agreement, they still have to write it up. They still have to sign it. They still have to go through some procedure to ratify it. And then they have to ramp up and get everything ready to go. So we are going to lose some season at this point, but I don't think we're going to lose a ton. And I do think that that day is coming where everybody's sitting there going, look, all the posturing and stuff aside, we know that if the minimum salary gets raised, that you're going to have to raise the luxury tax at least a little bit anyway, or, you know, we don't have to raise it that high because look, if more players are getting more money up front, if there's that arbitration pool, we're not going to be worried about teams necessarily having to overspend, you know, or go past the luxury tax. So it's not as important for that ceiling to be higher. There's, there's all sorts of things that, that they'll reconcile in their heads. And then, you know, the whole thing will be hung up on the universal DH. Listen, let me tell you something. Everybody says lock them in a room. Lock them in a room. Make them have to go in there until they come out with an agreement. Don't do that. No, no, no. Get them some beers. All right. I once got over one of the biggest sticking points in a union negotiation uh, with county government uh, over beers. Honest to goodness. Terrible day at the table. Everybody's miserable walking out. Okay. And I go find myself uh, walking down the street next to one of the lead guys on the other side. And he goes, you want to grab a beer and have a, have a talk? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And we went in and we waited till we were about too deep. And then I started telling him, like, this is what I really want. And he's like, well, this is what we really want. And this is our ending point. And I'm like, well, then why are we wasting all this time? Do you really like seeing me that often? And it's kind of how we got to where we were. You know, not everything is decided at these at these conference tables. I say a keg of beer and lock them in a room with that. Let's get it done. You're so right. I, I One of the most contentious cases in my other life was the, the, the head lawyer on the other side and I would, afterwards he'd sit there and go, Edward, Edward, Edward. I mean, we were just fought in court in front of the judge. <laughs> Edward, it's your turn to buy the coffee. Can we go out for a smoke first? <laughs> sure. Let's go, let's go grab a smoke and a coffee and figure out all of life's problems. And, and we understood each other perfectly. Our just our clients didn't understand each other. And that was the problem. Right. Exactly. And I think when it gets to that point, I think you're going to get, you're going to get some sort of result. I mean, look, what you really want is drunken lawyers. You know how we said earlier, lawyers are a problem. They are drunken lawyers make rash decisions and just kind of agree to a lot of stuff. That's what you need. You need intoxicated lawyers. Get about no, to a even bar. better, even better. <laughs> get the lawyers stoned. Cause they'll say something and then they'll forget what they said. 30 seconds later, all right, all right. So we need we need we need some drugs. We need some booze. I need a, I need a, a, a plane to Mexico. I'll get this thing done in 24 hours. I'll be back with an agreement. What do you say? Let's get to it, man. I want that jersey. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.